0: Welcome into this episode of Farzcast. Farzim in here with you. Hope your week is going well. Got a lot of things to get into here on this episode of Farzcast. A lot of NFL, a lot of football talk, a lot of Chiefs talk, a lot of draft talk. The draft is two weeks away. Man, that's crazy. Two weeks away. It is going to be in Las Vegas, my favorite city in the world. And I know they are working on uh, setting things up. In fact, I heard today they just started to... Uh block off some of the roads there. So I was actually talking about this with someone earlier today about how they have the draft set up with the Bellagio Hotel, the Fountains, and how they're going to introduce the players, what they're going to go through, all this stuff. I think they're maybe overdoing it a little bit, but hey, why not? It's Vegas. That's what you do in Vegas. You overdo things in Vegas. That's the only way shit works in Las Vegas. All right. Hey, you guys, all those social media, Facebook.com. Follow me on there, interact with me on there, also on Twitter, at scene 21 I'm very excited for this episode because I've got a very special guest. Uh, he's been on the podcast once before, uh, never in a setting like this where it was just the two of us. Uh, we had a, a big uh, group of people last time we did this. Uh, it was the uh, Super Bowl Eve podcast. I think we were all on our high horses and then 24 hours later, we got smacked in the face with reality. That fucking sucked, but we will not touch on not too much. Uh, but he is with Pro Football Focus and Sports Illustrated. Does a lot of great stuff over with PFF. Uh, all the uh, – you guys all know about Pro Football Focus, so the stuff they do, and he does some great stuff, some great content over at PFF and also for si Sam Hayes is here on Farscast. Sam, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on.
1: Not much. It's a, It's very nice to be on, and uh, there's a lot to talk about that I'm excited to talk about.
0: Yeah, a lot of things to get into. By the way, I know your um your username on Twitter. I don't have it in front of me. It's Wichita, Chief Wichita Sam. Chief Sam. So mm-hmm. are you? You're in the Wichita area, I assume. Correct. Just a little north of it. Okay, I've got to ask because whenever I meet someone from Wichita, or whenever I met someone at Ku. From which I'm like, oh, cool. What's Wichita like? And the first thing they say is there's nothing to do there. <laughs> so can you confirm that? Is there really nothing to do in Wichita? There's not much to do,
1: but there are some things to do. It depends on the day and I guess your outlook on things. Uh, I personally absolutely love the city to death. Uh it's the city that I will love more than any other. I got a nice little Wichita flag right here in shock in colors, in Wichita state colors. Uh, it's traditionally red and blue instead of the yellow and black. But uh, yeah, I, I love this city to death. I think it's a great city. But yeah, there's not nearly as much to do here
0: as many other cities, including Kansas City or Vegas. Well, well let me ask this. Like, it, it's a Friday night, Saturday night. You and the homies are hanging out. You're going out for drinks. What's the spot? Where are you going? It's usually it's usually actually just hanging out at a friend's
1: house more than anything else. It's really not going out like downtown or anything. You're an
0: MMA guy, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you, I know. I've seen your tweets. I know you talk a lot of UFC. You know who Luke Thomas is, right? Mm hmm. I'm a huge fan of the guy. I actually am bummed out his uh, radio show no longer. It, it, it was my favorite radio show ever. He stopped mm-hmm. doing it a couple of years ago. He did a segment a long time ago. Um. I've got to say, his radio show is the best. I mean, not only did he talk MMA, but he would also, you know, talk pop culture and other things. The topic of worst state came up, and two people called in and said Kansas. Oh, that's one a guy. One guy said that he, uh, his fiance is from Kansas, and he's excited to get her the hell out of there, which I can totally understand. Uh, depend, especially depending where in Kansas, I, I think would be a big point. If you're like in the Kansas City area, right. I mean, it's not too bad. But um, another guy called in and said he's from Wichita. And he said uh, the question, the same question I asked you, the host, Luke Thomas asked, uh, you know, what are you doing on a Friday night? And he goes, Applebee's. I'm like, okay, there's got <laughs> l- to be a little more than Applebee's. Can you confirm uh, this?
1: I, there's a lot. There's definitely more than Applebee's. I mean, I, I don't know the last time I went to Applebee's. That was, pr- that was several years ago. There's definitely a handful of places I'd uh, prefer going to than Applebee's, especially even on a Friday night or whatever.
0: Look, I'm not trying to bash Applebee's, but yeah. the two Applebee's that I know of in my area are both like they, they're not they don't exist anymore. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I, I do I, agree I, with you. Uh, I don't think
1: Kansas is that low. I, I I really don't. I think it's a middle of the pack or, or slightly below middle of the pack state at the very worst, even from like an objective standard and from a bias standard. I, I, I like, I love the city. I love the state as well. Uh, there's not another state I would rather live in personally. Just, just be just, it's home. It's home. So yeah. I, I love my area. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how you could say Kansas is the worst state. There's gotta be worse states than us. I mean, Mississippi, Wyoming, Idaho. These are some states that have to be below us.
0: Well, Kansas is the best at basketball right now. I mean, that's that's a damn fact. Uh, what, what, what's the uh, what's the championship aftermath like for you? So so I, I see you're a Wichita State guy. Are you also a KU guy? I am a fan of both, yeah. It, okay. it's, a, it's a very interesting situation, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wh- I mean, how, how are you feeling? Because I've always been very critical of Build Self. With, with his um, tournament uh, runs. And I'm not saying, you, you know, you have to make the Final Four every year. That is damn near impossible to do. But I just feel like he's had way too many early exits in his career. But I suppose, you know, making the Final Four, what, uh, this is the third time, I believe? Mm-hmm. I think that's made yeah. up for that. And, you know, those two championship wins, both very exciting manners, both comebacks, uh, if you will. One, of course, more dramatic than the other. Um, I, I mean, they were both dramatic uh, in, in different ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, on KU's run this year? Um, I was very, very – I I wouldn't even say
1: surprised. I I felt good about this team coming into the tournament. I really did. I didn't feel as good as 2020. 2020 team was very good, and I was sad to see the tournament, obviously – not happen that, that, sucked. that sucked but and they finished ap number one so I, i've seen some people argue that we should h- put up a banner for ap number one oh 2020 gosh. like we have like we have the 1922 and 1923 helms titles which there was no tournament back then so that was sort of the same exact thing number one team win the championship but uh yeah so th- this team i did have i did have uh, good expectations coming into the tournament I'd say pre-March, I was feeling a little negative. I, just some of the losses were like underwhelming performances, games that I didn't feel like we should lose. But then once March hit and the form started really coming on, it was like, this team can really do it. This team can yeah. definitely do it before the tournament even started. And then when the tournament was going on, it was like, yeah, this team's in a role They they can keep it going. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think this I think that Bill self has some legitimate criticism to have levied against him for tournament performances. But I think that for the most part, in at least in recent years, I do think he's avoided the early round exits. It's usually those like sweet 16 Elite Eight games that you would prefer either a better performance or a team that maybe they shouldn't lose to, like a lower seed in the second weekend, I'd say. I, I haven't seen many first or second round losses that much recently, besides a cut, maybe one or two. But like the ones that stay notable are like the early self years, like uh, Bucknell and Bradley in like five yeah. six, and then twenty ten you and I, which
0: that team should have won the title. <laughs> Farouk Manesh, uh, that oh. is a name. Uh, I mean, as soon as you hear that name, that just uh, gives you bad memories. Yo, bad flashbacks, really bad. <laughs> here's my thing. Kansas has been to the tournament consecutively more than any other team. I don't know how far back it goes. It goes back a long, long time.
1: I believe it goes to 1990. I think they won won in 88, and then I think they missed it in 89, and they've been back
0: every year since, I believe. When you go to the tournament that many times, you're going to have championship runs, and you're going to have – Let's let's be honest. You're going to choke a few of them, mm. Coach K. I mean, the guy's been doing this since what 1980 at with Duke, I think, to be exact. Some, something See, like that. He he's had a lot of early exits in the tournament, mm. and he's also had a lot of deep runs in the tournament. Bill Self, and I don't know how much longer he's going to coach. I mean, it's not like he's retiring anytime soon. But let's just say 20 more years. Okay, that probably fair number. 20, 30 years somewhere around I hope there. So, um, I hope so. He's going to have. More early exits, but he's also going to have more final four appearances. So I, I think when you coach, it, well, first off, when you go to the tournament as many times as Kansas does and hoping that that continues on, that streak continues on under Bill self, yeah, you're going to have more early exits. It's not going to be, listen, this is not going to be his last final four. It's not going to be his last. I said this with Mahomes. When he lost to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, I said we wouldn't talk about it, but here we are. Yeah. You know, if if the trajectory with Mahomes is what we think it is, it, it, it's gonna be, if it's gonna be anything like Tom Brady's, well, guess what? Tom Brady has won a lot of Super Bowls, he has also lost a lot of if you tell someone that a player has lost in the Super Bowl three times, that's a that's a significant number to lose three times. That's that's a big number to lose uh but then you got to look at the other side of the court. okay well this is a guy who's been to the super bowl a bunch of time when you go 10 times yeah you're going to probably you're not going to have a a 1000% batting average there i mean it, it, you're just not so i think it's one of those things where you know you got to understand the quantity versus quality type of thing does that make sense mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I am scared about Mahomes' Super Bowl future, though, even if he remains the quarterback that he is, just because of looking at other quarterbacks in the modern era and really even before the modern era. Obviously, there's 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 so many examples. Dan Marino only made one Super Bowl, and he lost it. Drew Brees made the Super Bowl once. He got the win. Um, Aaron Rodgers still has not been back to a Super Bowl since he won. He's been to one Super Bowl and won it, and... He hasn't been back in over a decade. So it's like even these elite quarterbacks, which Aaron Rodgers, again, has just won back-to-back MVPs and yeah. he still has not been to a Super Bowl in over a decade. It It's frightening that possibility of Mahomes not making another Super Bowl because, I mean, even if he's an elite quarterback, we got to have the pieces around him to make it work.
0: You know, I'm glad you said that because I, when when the Chiefs were in the – um were in Super Bowl 54 – the one they won in Miami. I said, "Look, man, you never know when this core group of guys, like when it can all fall apart." No, at that time, if I told you, Sam, hey, in twenty-six odd months, Tyreek Hill is getting traded, you would have looked at me and said, "What the fuck are you talking about?" You, you, no one would have expected that. Um, yeah. And listen, hence, I, I mean, my rage. Yeah. Oh gosh, that was I was
1: saw that you want to see me upset on my Twitter timeline? That day was the day. Oh man, I was inconsolable. Well, what's
0: crazy is when the Chiefs signed Juju Smith Schuster, I felt all great. These, all these, um, all these football websites on social media, they're, they're, they're putting like this big collage of all the talent on all four AFC West teams. And Tyreek Hill was part of that collage. It's like, nobody saw this coming. I mean, I mean, we heard all the rumors about contract negotiations and look good on Tyreek. He got what he wanted. Um, Listen, maybe he's perfectly happy with just one Super Bowl ring and cashes in the rest of his career. That's what he wants, man. Good on him. I, I mean, who am I to say what he should and shouldn't do? But, look, I I think the Chiefs will be okay. You know, I, I really do. McCall um, uh, Hardman, I think that is the interesting one right there because you know what you're going to get from Juju, even though last year was a bit of a step back, and I know he dealt with injuries and all, Travis Kelsey, we, we know what we're getting from him. Some people are criticizing, not criticizing, but they're doubting him because they're saying that in his best years, he was able to do all of that while sharing a field with Tyreek, but Tyreek was drawing a lot of defenders towards him. So yeah. maybe that's one of those things where we got to see how Tyreek – or excuse me, Travis does without Tyreek. McCole Hardman, man, that's a question mark to me because I've always said this guy is not the best receiver on the – well back when Tyreek Hill was on the team. Clearly, Tyreek was the best. But I've always said McColl Hardman has the skill set to be just as good as Tyreek. We haven't seen that yet. And I, I, I'd i be willing to say I'm probably one of the most patient Chiefs fans when it comes to McColl Hardman. Where do you stand with him? I like McColl. I think he's a, a solid
1: option. But um, I... I don't think he's going to reach nearly that type of potential. Unfortunately, I think he could have maybe, and his early, his early tenure, his first year or so with the chiefs, he he showed some of those things that Tyreek showed in his early part when he was a gadget guy, when he was actually a gadget guy and not a number one receiver, but uh, McColl has not quite evolved to the level that Tyreek did. And I don't think he'll be the best receiver on the team. I definitely think it'll be Juju. Um, I think it'll be a race for second between him and Marquez Valdez Scantling and MVS. I am, I am a lot more distrusting of that move than it, it seems a lot of other chiefs oh, wow. fans are. Why I, is that? I, um, Well, I've watched the Packers a decent amount, and a couple of my best buddies are also Packers fans. So we talk about uh, about Packers players and Chiefs players a lot, but I mainly talk with Packers about uh, uh, Packers with them. Um, The frustration that I get when watching Marquez Valdez Scantling on the Packers is similar to the frustration I get when watching Demarcus Robinson with the Chiefs. There is very odd like blunders and just like just come on yelling come on at the tv about making the play whether it's drops from a couple years ago 2020 his drop rate was pretty bad 2021 he didn't drop a pass but his catch rate was still pretty low i'd attribute that to him not tracking the ball well enough and he's only targeted downfield he does not have he does not run routes outside of down the field and all of his targets are down the field. He is strictly a vertical receiver. And I think that might actually help Kelsey compared to not having him because I think Juju specializes in the short and intermediate routes. Uh, Valdez Scantling is a deep threat pretty much only, and that could still open up some stuff for Kelsey like he had with Tyreek where Tyreek is running all over the place, short, intermediate, long, and that helps Kelsey get more space. But uh, Valdez Scantling, I am concerned of drops and not making plays that we want him to make. I, I get a, I've always for at least two, three years, I've had a D-Rob sort of feeling with him in terms
0: of just disappointment on watching him. See, here's my thing, because and, and say what you want about Andy Reid's postseason flaws. I've been very critical of those. But the thing that I think Andy Reid is the best at, better than any coach in NFL history I think he does a really great job of having players play to their potential, sometimes even above it. I mean, look at Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles was already a great running back before Andy Reid got there. Jamal Charles did not need Andy Reid to be this all-pro type of running back. But when Andy Reid got here, we saw a completely different Jamal Charles where he led the NFL in touchdowns. Now, I understand the Chiefs did not have the best pass-catching core. Travis Kelsey was injured that year, uh, his rookie year. Dwayne Bowe, we know the inconsistencies with him. But still, Andy Reid was able to give us a Jamal Charles uh, that we've never seen before. Uh, And it's just unfortunate that we never got to see Jamal Charles long-term in Kansas City with Andy Reid. I I think that's the one thing that I I wish we saw in Jamal's career, especially in Kansas City. But I I think with any player, especially on offense, especially with this type of offense the Chiefs run with Patrick Mahomes, where if you do have that mm. speed, Andy Reid will find a way to use it to everyone's advantage. Mm. So I think like with McCole Hardman, yeah, we haven't seen him flourish the way we would have liked for it. And I know he gets compared a lot to DK Metcalf because he was picked before DK. But we've still seen McCole do some damage on the field. And I think MVS can do some of those things as well. Uh, I can certainly understand your concern with the drops. Like that's the thing with McCall Hardman is he, he I mean, last year was a really bad year, by the way, for the drops. I know you and I have talked yeah. about this, oh, man. like that, even your best players were a liability in that. So, and I don't know why that was the case, but I think if the chiefs can figure that out. And by the way, I will say Matt Nagy coming back as a quarterback's coach, I think that's really going to make a difference uh, like even though I don't think people realize this, yeah, sure, he's a quarterbacks coach, but that doesn't mean he doesn't talk to the other guys. I mean, this guy was a former offensive coordinator. He's definitely going to, you know, say a couple things here and there to the other guys. Uh, I think that's really going to make a big difference this year moving forward.
1: Yeah, I, I like I like the Matt Nagy uh, return a lot. I definitely think it's uh, good to go back to what we've had in the past yeah. with, I mean, Andy Reid's old guys. They worked very well. Um, Nagy had his moments in Chicago, but he also had his downfalls. It started getting really ugly in Chicago. So um, hopefully Nagy has learned from that. Maybe he's just not a coach. Maybe he's just a just a QB coach slash offensive coordinator, whatever he is. That's the only role he needs to play. So I like the Nagy return. And yeah, I, I think the offense is going to be improved from last year. I think we'll get less drops. Um, I think that Juju will do a solid job Um, avoiding the drops. MVS, it's it's not just the drops of MVS for me. Again, That's like there were other plays that he didn't drop where it was still he should have caught that ball where I still have some concerns because he was doing that with Rodgers. It's not like he was doing that with a bad quarterback. He was doing that with one of the best quarterbacks in the league where it was not where there were plays where it wasn't working out where it should. So I don't think it's like a a thing where now he has a good quarterback. It's going to work out probably he's he's got some things he needs to improve on but i am hopeful that it will be an impactful move it's a high potential move i'll say i'll say that it's a high potential move it could work out very very well
0: yeah no 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 that's a good point that's the thing though like there is all this you know high potential you, you could you could use that word about a lot of things with the chiefs um mm-hmm. do you think this is mccall hardman's last chance because i think it is last chance to be a uh a starting
1: receiver on this team potentially. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tough for him, but I I think, I think he'll be given a chance and maybe if he still just does, okay, he'll get another chance rather than even if it's slightly below the expectations, maybe still comes back, but yeah, it's going to be a very, very important year for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, he finds himself in a very interesting role too, because Pringle went on to Chicago, D-Rob's with the Raiders, uh, Tyreek's obviously in Miami, McColl is the only returning receiver? I mean, I, I'm sure there's, like, uh, Powell, uh, who the oh, Chiefs drafted, like, and, yeah, uh, I mean, Dur- Fountain, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you those guys <laughs> have only been on the team briefly, though, Yeah. like, McColl is gonna be the guy that a lot of the newer receivers are going to kind of lean on and, you know, mm. ask questions to, and he's gonna try to guide these guys, yeah. Um, under his wing because uh, because they're going to have some questions about the playbook and sometimes they'll ask him rather than the coaches um that's it's, gonna so, be weird he's yeah <laughs> he's, isn't that weird to just say he's
1: not he's not been around that long so that's gonna be weird that he's
0: the veteran of the locker room for in terms of being a chief oh man see i don't know if it's a pandemic that's making time go by fast or maybe that's just <laughs> it works but yeah that is that is weird to say like mccall hardman is Now that guy who like he's, he's supposed to be a veteran leader. I'm not saying, you know, he's not capable of it, but it's just with his performance so far, he hasn't really received that honor, at least from the fan standpoint. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. I I, I've always believed and listen, Josh Gordon's an interesting one too. Um, What is he going to bring to the table? I have said for a while that I think he really needs a full offseason to benefit from this because he's been very inactive the past few years. He hasn't been consistent uh, on the field. So I don't know. I've got a lot of questions about the receiving core. I think, you know, kind of like what we've been saying all all segment long. It's like that, that high potential is there, but that's a big if for some of these guys. So I don't know. The, the the receiving court is very interesting. That's the one group. That's the one position group I'm keeping an eye on this year for sure.
1: Yeah, right rightfully so. It's it's the second most important position in football only behind quarterback. It it's it's gotten a lot of turnover. It's it's very very key to to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to see how that all pans out. Uh, yeah, mix of nervous, nervousness and excitement for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but this offseason has just been really wild. I think the Chiefs, they've been a big part of it as well. Like the Tyreek Hill one, that's the one that people talk about the most surprising move this entire offseason because nobody saw that coming at all. Um, how are you feeling about the team? Because to me, it's like, look, ever since Mahomes has been the starter for the Chiefs, the Chiefs have made it to the AFC Championship game every single time. That's not easy to do in your first four years as a starter. So yeah. the the dominance is there. And, and let me say this right now. I, I, I think the Chiefs can be their own worst enemy sometimes. It's just we know, and we saw it twice in the month of January to the same team. It's like you're capable of putting up a lot of points in a short amount of time. But then it's like you completely flip the switch in a bad way. The second half, I just feel like if the Chiefs play their fo- own football, even without Tyreek Hill, they play their own game for 60 minutes. They're not a beatable football team, but that's a problem. Yeah. They're just not. And I know Mahomes had his issues last year with inaccurate passes and the pass catchers with all the drops. Last year was a very weird year for the offense. It was unorganized, inconsistent. They were not in sync. And I think this offseason – you got to find a way to get these guys together to put that all in the, in the rearview mirror moving forward.
1: Yeah, no, it it was, it was definitely a down year for the whole group. Um, Mahomes regressed Kelsey, even though it was a sky high uh, uh, previous year for him, he regressed Tyreek regressed. Uh, There was definitely a lot that regressed outside of the offensive line. The offensive line was definitely one of the best in football and it was fantastic to watch. But um, yeah, all around, all the skill positions definitely regressed, and you just got to be hopeful that they can turn it around. They definitely should have been in the Super Bowl. Um, it's wild that Mahomes had arguably the worst half I've seen from him in one of the halves that were most important for us in his tenure, definitely the most important last year. Um, so it, it was definitely a huge bummer and a huge shock, but. Uh, I think I think there's enough to say that they can bounce back from it. You but, know, um, I
0: mean, yeah, that, that, know. That, that, that second half you brought up. I don't know what happened. It's like, oh, let's talk about the overtime period. The three passes the Chiefs had. Mm-hmm. It, when I'm watching that overtime period, and I don't know how many times you've watched it. I've watched it a couple of times. It, it's, it doesn't take that long to watch. Yeah. Just, I haven't just, watched it again. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Um I mean just talking about the Chiefs side of things where they had the three plays the when you look at Mahomes and what he's doing if anyone has not gone back and watched just watch the three plays i know it's brutal but, but watch after you hear my commentary because it, the way Patrick is playing it's like you're 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 down with 2 minutes left to go and you need two touchdowns you're literally tied in overtime mm-hmm. so i don't know What's going on? And listen, we all know what was going on the seven days leading up to the Bengals game. Everyone was bitching and moaning moaning about the overtime rules. And when the Chiefs won the coin toss, I said, here we go again. We're going to have another week of this. Mm -hmm. But obviously, that's not what happened. It's just it, it seemed like the Chiefs hit the panic button way too soon. And here's the other thing, too, about that second half you brought up. The Chiefs did not score until they were trailing in that game obviously it was the Harrison Butker field goal to tie it up which that almost did not even happen because of the fumble from Mahomes thank goodness for Joe Tooney I mean he just helped extend Kansas City season a little bit longer I I I don't know what what do you think about all that stuff because I feel like with Mahomes he always needs a home run play every single play it's like look sometimes you're just going to need to take an L on a play. It's not the end of the world. Throw the ball away or just throw an incomplete pass and go get him on the next play. I feel like he puts a lot of pressure on himself because of the hype that he has built so quickly to want to have an A-plus play every single play. Do you get that with him sometimes? Definitely sometimes. Definitely sometimes. And we
1: saw he had a couple interceptions. Um, He had the interception, was it, against Washington? Um, late in the first half, I think we were losing in the first half against Washington. It was like final play uh, of our, uh, for our offense. Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. And it was one of the worst interceptions you'll ever see. And it's obvious to just throw it away or take the sack and he just throws it up and it's easy interception plays like that where it's, yeah, absolutely. He he'll play hero ball. It's, it's the Brett Favre comparison and the Brett Favre, uh, DNA he has, he, he does have a lot of Brett Favre in him. And you got to take the positives of having a Brett Favre type guy with the negatives of having a Brett Favre type guy. And sometimes you just can't take that out of him, but they tried to, they definitely tried to last year. And there were several weeks where we saw it. The offense was just going consistently short, consistently open passes, just very easy stuff. No home run passes at all, especially later in the regular season. They very much tempered Mahomes, And then, uh, And then it started getting a little bit back to normal and it was looking really good. And then it, yeah, it just fell apart late. It was really surprising.
0: Well, you know, what else was really inconsistent last year was the defense during that three and four start. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the offense was still struggling. If you remember Mm -hmm. against the Cowboys and the giants, the chiefs defense was a huge reason why the chiefs were able to pull out those wins in those games. And the defense played a lot better. Even Dan Sorensen, who, you know, that's like everyone's go-to punching bag, you know, blaming on on Dan Sorensen. He was even playing better. And then, I don't know what the hell happened. The defense just went back. They reverted back to that 3-4 and start. And I can't remember what broadcast it was. I think it was a game on CBS where they actually showed the first seven games Mm -hmm. uh, the amount of yards and points allowed. Then that eight-game winning streak – and then the last two games in the postseason, it's just we've seen a very up and down defense, too. How much of that do you blame on personnel and how much of that do you blame on Spags? I'd probably blame the majority on
1: personnel. Um, you saw once we re- replaced or mostly replaced some of that personnel, that is sort of how it turned around. Um, a big reason why it turned around the addition of Melvin Ingram. Um, a big reason it turned around: playing our best linebackers more, more Nick Bolton and more Willie Gay than, and yeah. less Anthony Hitchens and less Ben Neiman. Um, playing less Dan Sorensen, playing more Juan Thornhill. So it was, um, I think personnel that definitely turned it around a big amount. But uh, it wasn't exclusively personnel for sure. There was definitely some issues with, with the way Spags is running things. But I'd say when we integrated Melvin Ingram, when we got Chris Jones back inside from his edge uh, situation early in the year, um, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, uh, a little bit of Rashad Fenton, uh, Juan Thornhill, some of our guys who were our best defenders last year, um, especially Chris Jones. When he went back inside, he was oh, yeah. good on the edge, but he was a lead again on, on the inside a tackle. So I think personnel the majority, but a tiny bit of, of scheme.
0: Yeah. Look, I, I, I... Defensive plays really excite me, and I just felt like the Chiefs didn't have a lot of that. Hey, you mentioned Chris Jones, and don't get me wrong. Chris Jones, I think, did his job, and you kind of went over it. Statistically speaking, though, we're not seeing anyone shine on I know Nick Bolton had a lot of tackles, a lot of tackles for a loss. I don't know where he ranked in that. Was he the best in that category he, last year? He was way up there. I think it was him and Micah Parsons' top two. So outside of that... And listen, tackles for a loss, that's not like some big sexy stat. It's a great stat, don't get me wrong. But, Mm. you know, it just felt like the Chiefs weren't there so much for the takeaways and the sacks. Uh, In fact, I I looked this up a couple weeks ago. The last time the Chiefs had a player with double-digit sacks, was 2018 that was d ford and chris jones they had so the last time you you had a player with double digit sacks it was jones and ford i mean one of those obviously they're no longer on the team anymore and here's the other thing too with frank clark he's great but again kind of like what we've been saying about some of the offensive players like mccall hardman there's that big line of inconsistency with him and i know he he, I, i think he made the pro bowl again i can't remember but I think yeah. at this point it's like name recognition. Uh, it is name recognition. He, yeah, he's that... not—he's not earning these Pro Bowls. He
1: really is not. He's—he's he's an average player, I'd say right now. I would not put him very high up. He has some very good pop-off games, and some games where he's completely quiet and not doing much at all. And he's—and there's some games in those that he's also doing the 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 dirty work, the the stuff that you don't give too much recognition to and yeah i frank clark it's it's not been a fun time having frank clark at the at the contract he's had on the roster unfortunately I, the, he's he has his moments where he's super good but it's just not nearly enough
0: it's way too in, infrequent who do, what do you think the chiefs do at number first of all do you think they keep number 29 and 30 for yes, the draft i think so i think okay. so see i think so too and here's the other thing. Too. I, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, that's a late first round pick. It's almost like mm-hmm. getting a second round pick, which is funny. If we had two high second round picks, we'd all be saying, oh, it's almost like getting a first round pick, which is kind of interesting how that dynamic works. But yeah, uh, listen, you don't have to have a first round pick. Look at the Chiefs in 2016 where they traded out of the first round and they got Chris mm-hmm. Jones and Tyree Kill. And, and I know Tyree Kill dealt with um, that. Alleged incident, and we don't really know what exactly happened. I, and I don't. know he, he was a fifth round.
1: And was a fifth round guy too. Yeah, yeah. yeah he
0: was. He, that's why he fell in the fifth round yeah. because of that incident. And then you look at last year. I know it's only been one year, but still, Nick Bolton, we just mentioned, had a hell of a year. You talked about the offensive line. You said it was the best in football. one of the best in football last year. Creed yeah. was the best center last year. Creed was Trace, the best center. Mm-hmm. Trey Smith. I mean, I don't know where he ranked, but he was for sure one of the best interior, not just yep. at right guard, the but one of yep. the best interior offensive linemen. Yeah. So listen, the Chiefs, I'm expecting another home run draft. I've heard about this earlier this week mm-hmm. on the Arrowhead Addict. The Chiefs are going to have a home run draft. You kind of have mm-hmm. to. You don't have to have a first round pick. And the Chiefs have two late first rounders, two second rounders, and two third rounders. I'm expecting some good things from the Chiefs in this draft. Yeah, I, I definitely
1: think they can make uh good things work. Um I would like to see even that with the injury, I'd still be very interested in seeing a, a pick like David Ajabo. I mean David Ajabo looks absolutely fantastic out of Michigan at Edge. Of course, the issue is that he tore his Achilles in uh in his um pro day. So he's probably not going to play as a rookie. So that's one big issue with it. But He's going to fall to 29 or 30, most likely. And he is, in my opinion, a top 10, 15 pick on pretty much any draft. So I definitely would be very interested in David Ajabo. If they don't go that route, I definitely also want to see wide receiver. I really want to see Chris Olave is my favorite wide receiver this draft class. I am as as big a Chris Olave fan as you'll find out there. Um, I think he's going to be a Keenan Allen type player. I'm a huge fan.
0: That'd be very interesting for sure. Let me ask you this, because I know you do a lot of draft study, whereas me personally, like I don't watch college football. I'm not a big college sports guy in general. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Saturdays, I like to go out, have a life, do do my things, be Mm -hmm. out and about basically, and I'll watch uh, football on Sundays. Um so I'm not too familiar with this stuff and I don't follow the combine or these pro days so much. I know a lot of people are big time nerds about that stuff. They follow that stuff so closely. How much stock do you put into that? Because to me it's like I don't doubt all these players are great. Some better than others, some have better skill sets, but to me it's like okay, your skill set is very important, but it all it's also important, you know, who you get drafted by because if you fit that system. Remember when the Chiefs had um those two defensive linemen, Turk McBride and Tank Tyler, the Turk and oh. Tank. Oh, goodness. Yeah, oh, goodness I was gracious. I was really excited for that duo. And I thought they did mm. some good things in college. But it's like mm. they just did not have the good defensive coaching staff on play. Like Tim mm. Crumry was just not a good, if we're being honest, <laughs> just wasn't a good D-line coach. Mm. I mean, listen, Glenn Dorsey. I don't know what could have been. Oof. There's always that what could have been with him. And I feel Glenn like Glenn Dorsey that, and who's the other... Um, Tyson Jackson. Tyson Jackson. Tyson yeah. Jackson, man. Well, here's mm. the other thing with Tyson. Didn't the Chiefs... Wasn't Tyson Jackson part of a 4-3 defensive line and then they made him a 3-4 defensive end? Mm. I think... Or do I, I do I not recall I, that? Correctly? I I don't remember that well enough. That was too no long that's ago. <laughs> That's fair enough. Listen, listen. I it's happened before. Mitch yeah. Morse went from tackle to center. Tyree Kill went from running back to receiver. But I feel like it doesn't work for everyone. Anyway, I know we're yeah. getting off topic. My my point yeah. is, it's like with the with the whole pro day and the combine. I know those mm. are all pretty cool. To me, I don't put too, I don't put too much stock in any of that until I see mm. them on the field. And more specifically, how they use their skill set for the system.
1: Yeah, for for Ajabo and Alave, it is more about watching them on the field for me, less than Combine or Pro Day. I have watched Ajabo and Alave play, and I just think those guys are absolute studs on the field. I think Ajabo is going to end up as... One of the two best edges in this class. And I think Olave is going to be the best wide receiver this class. Silky smooth route runner. One of the best route runners out of college I've seen. He really is. He's a superstar. And what he did at Ohio State was just fantastic.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see where the um, Chiefs decide to go with their draft picks. If they're, if they're going to trade. Yeah. So they're gonna, they might,
1: they might have to trade for a lave. Uh, should fall to him just because he tore his Achilles like yeah. a month ago. But uh, a lave, they might need to trade up a little bit for him. And I say, totally worth it. That dude is unbelievable.
0: Well, they've got the drafts capital to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. they definitely can make that move. They can definitely make an enticing offer to whoever they yeah. feel like they need to uh, do that to. Yeah. Um, by the way, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers earlier winning back to back MVPs. I was thinking about this, uh, the other day because they were talking about him being without Devontae Adams and MVS. And I know MVS didn't get talked about as much as Devontae Adams, obviously, but
1: Mm.
0: I I was just kind of thinking about that. I was like, you know what? Rogers won the MVP and a lot of people thought it should have been Brady, but Brady had, you know, he had Antonio Brown for most of the year. He had Gronk. He had, he has Mike Evans. He has all these talented players. Yeah. Whereas Rogers just had Devontae Adams and now he's without him. I think there's already... Like if I, if it was up to me to put out odds for uh, MVP for the following year, I don't know uh, where I'd place Aaron Rodgers. I don't know where the odds makers would put him, but I would say that would be a pretty good bet to make because I can see Aaron Rodgers having another good year and maybe it doesn't have to be the best by a quarterback, but if he has another really good year where the Packers win the division, I can see the voters saying, look, This guy keeps doing it again after losing a couple of wide receivers, one of them being the best in the NFL last year, maybe along with Cooper Cup. I don't know. I think he's got a good chance at a third uh, at three peating. What do you think? I don't think
1: he will. And it's a part of that might be voter fatigue. Um, we see that in, in many different sports. Yeah. Um, it is definitely a thing. Um, you see it in the MLB with Mike Trout, and you see it in the NBA with LeBron James and, I guess, Giannis now, too. Um, and, yeah, you, you will see it in the NFL. I think after his two straight MVPs, um, even if he puts up MVP numbers, he might not get it and then might give it to someone else. I, I don't know if he's going to put up MVP numbers this year because, again, that is just so hard to... To deal with what he's lost now i don't know what he's gonna who he's gonna throw to they gotta really figure that out bad that they, they need to trade up for a lave like their life depends on it because that's not a good situation for Rogers to be in
0: yeah well, well here's the thing it's like quarterbacks like brady and rogers i mean they've been around for a long time it's like they've been able to make everyone see i i really want to see gronk without Brady just one time because when Brady retired I was like sweet we can finally see what kind of a tight end Gronk will be but it's like no uh Brady had to come back um see here's the thing because I've said this uh for a while uh before Tyreek Hill way before Tyreek Hill got I said look there's gonna come a time of day where Mahomes is gonna have to play without Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and I think the best quarterbacks are the ones who are able to win no matter who they're throwing to. And I think Rodgers, he's had so many different guys he's thrown to over the years. So has Brady. I think Rodgers will be fine. I do agree. They need someone. I mean, what they have right now on paper, not looking good at all. But if for whatever reason, they decide not to even touch that position, I think Rodgers can still work his magic. That's what elite quarterbacks like him do. To an extent, I think he will. But uh, to to the level
1: that he has, Uh, recent years uh, I don't know if he'll get to that level again yeah Yeah. like I like some of their receivers more than others um like for example uh I am a decent Alan Lazard fan but um if Alan Lazard is who he's relying on to throw the football he's not winning MVP this year (laughs) (laughs) he's not winning MVP
0: um I did want to ask you about your um, your job with Pro Football Focus. Uh, how many years have you been with PFF?
1: I believe this is going to be my it's either fourth or fifth.
0: It's been a while, yeah. What do you do with them? What, what, what can you say about – I've seen you put out tweets out there, and mm. I know you used to run the uh, Chiefs uh, PFF account, which you put out a lot of great content on there. A lot of people love yeah. uh, using that. I've used a lot of those for my um, – never heard out articles. But what do you do mm. overall in general with PFF?
1: Well, um outside of football season, I now that I have uh, relinquished the the PFF Chiefs Twitter account, uh, in the off season, outside of football season, I ha- I don't really do anything. There's there's really nothing that I do for PFF outside of football season now. But um yeah, during when I had the account, I would put out the tweets occasionally and it was it was pretty good. There's some they'd give me a decent amount of articles to put out and there was stuff to, to do to work with and all so that was nice but um yeah at the moment i do nothing uh for pff and one football season comes around it'll be um a lot of like low level stuff and like uh, one example is uh recording games so um they uh, paid for a thing called a hotpodge uh, recorder so i can record games from my tv onto my computer and then drop it in dropbox and then they have people um collect all the information needed off the video that goes onto dropbox that's that's probably the thing i do the
0: most with pff now Hypothetically speaking, uh, let's say you have direct TV and there's like a bad storm. What happens with the recording? Do you, you have like other ways of oh, accessing that? There will be emergency
1: uh, scenarios where someone could take over.
0: Okay. I've always wondered that yeah, because...
1: there's, there's backups. There's backups. Okay. That's good.
0: Yeah. Cause yeah. I've always thought of that. Cause I know a lot of people are quick with gifts and all these video clips during games. Mm-hmm. You see that a lot. So I've always wondered how that works sometimes. No, I think listen, BFF, it's a very fascinating website. It really is. Mm-hmm. I think it's, Definitely. One of the more intriguing sports, the most intriguing sports website that we've seen because pro football focus crunches all these numbers, but it's not just stats. They look at how players do on the field. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, judgment just from watching. So the eye test, in other words,
1: admittedly, a lot of subjectivity, but sometimes you need some subjectivity to
0: come to the real answer of, of what's going on. See, because what I'm getting at is the grades because mm-hmm. a lot of people love the premium stats, those are awesome. Mm-hmm. But the grades that's what confuses a lot of people sometimes because someone could have a really good game. I actually, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers. Do you remember the game on Monday Night Football? I want to say 2015 for Rodgers. I've
1: heard this scenario, yeah,
0: yeah, Rodgers threw five touchdowns. That was mm-hmm. the same game where the Chiefs finally threw a touchdown pass to a wide receiver. That's mm-hmm. the most memorable part from a Kansas City standpoint, but. Rodgers had a very, very, very low grade in that game. And that was because um, one of the reasons they gave was because he threw an interception on a free play, which I thought was very interesting. But it's like he he torched the Chiefs apart in that game. Uh, Listen, it's been a while. Maybe I I remember part of that wrong, but I'm almost certain. So there are a lot of examples, but I think people are quick to refute a grade from PFF if they don't like it. But then when PFF gives one of their favorite players a good grade, people are all over it. I mean, they're, they're sharing the yeah. hell out of that shit. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious, what can you tell us from your standpoint as someone who is out there? And I know you're not like high on the totem pole with PFF, but you know, something's mm-hmm. there. What do you make when you hear some fans refute a certain grade and then praise a certain grade from PFF? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: mainly trying to find the game that you're talking about also, but I've, I have heard about it. Um, but yeah, I don't know if free plays would have been the, the scenario because I believe that free plays are, um, like not taken into account for the grading if there's an interception or something like that. Oh, uh, okay. so I don't think it was a free play probably, but it was probably like, a, a turnover worthy play, which a lot of people get upset about that a turnover-worthy play where uh, the, a defender maybe dropped uh, something they should have intercepted. Uh, that was probably what the scenario was, if I could just find it. I've heard about this game multiple times, but I've never actually seen it on here. Yeah, I'm just struggling to find it. But yeah, that's, that's more the scenario is I don't think it's as much about um, a free play getting intercepted and more about a throw that probably should have been intercepted that was then dropped by a defender or arguably could have been intercepted. Wh- whatever the scenario is, bad throw, whatever it is. So um, it is just beyond the regular numbers. It's not, it's not meant to be just a, a box score ticker. It's meant to showcase um, what the player actually did on the field. And they have all sorts of very interesting stuff, including the, the QB annual, which I think is a fantastic resource. It shows the accuracy of where every pass hit the receiver on their body or on their frame, wherever um, throughout the entire season. So how many passes hit them right in the numbers, how many passes are inside and outside and high and low and uncatchable, all that type of stuff basically very precise stuff uh, in terms of uh, ball placement and accuracy on throws from quarterbacks. So I think stuff like that's very cool Uh, when people talk about the grades um, and they'll, promote it when it's something they want to promote and they'll bash PFF in general when it's something they don't like it doesn't go with their agenda or whatever yeah it is admittedly extremely funny to watch and and chiefs <laughs> i i have talked about that before on my twitter about chiefs twitter doing that where they will just constantly go at PFF um week in week out but then when they see something that goes along with their perception or their agenda that they want to push Then they'll retweet it or quote tweet it and they'll they'll be all celebratory.
0: Well, you see that this is the thing I've always said. You can't have it both ways. You can't sit here Mm -hmm. and bash PFF and say it's not really it's just PFF. And I think what a lot of people Mm -hmm. are saying is it's just a bunch of people who watch football and they grade based on what they see whenever, you know. One of their favorite players gets a bad grade, but then when someone else on the team gets a great grade, they're all of a sudden like all over it. Like it's they call they, they consider it very credible. Um, you, you just can't have it both ways. I've never really agreed with that. Listen, there are times where I have disagreed with PFF, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they're they're not uh, a legitimate website because of one grade that I disagree with. I, I just think that's silly.
1: Yeah, I think I finally found the game and it is uh it's a beautiful sight to behold it is 2015 uh, 2015 week three yeah um, it, it is against the Chiefs um he went 24 35 333 yards 9.5 yards per attempt it's very impressive numbers there five touchdowns no picks got a 67 grade which is above average but not that would not typically go with those numbers because the following week he had a game where he had about a hundred less yards and only one touchdown with no picks and had an 87 almost. So that would confuse a lot of people, but then it's more about um, the actual ball placement uh, that they had. And in terms of the chiefs game, he was given four big time throws So those are the highest graded throws and two turnover worthy passes or turnover worthy plays. Um, One apparently being a fumble at least. Maybe were both fumbles. Let me see if I could find if both were fumbles. See Uh, that's that's
0: interesting though. Um, See see, I think that's like the one where you know I say you know I just disagree with like five times mm -hmm. like the guy just performed open heart surgery on our defense that Mm -hmm. game. Um, So I don't know. I I
1: I think one was fumble and maybe one was a pass that should have been intercepted that wasn't and then the following game where he had one touchdown but had a grade that was like 20 points higher um he had three big time throws one short uh near the same percentage but then zero turnover worthy plays so he did not have a play which pff determined should have resulted in a
0: turnover compared to two in the chiefs game you know what PFF is really good at? Because uh, when you go to NFL.com or ESPN.com, you don't really find the stats for touchdowns allowed. I know ProFootballReference.com, which is another great website, they do have that stuff. Mm-hmm. Not, not all of it, though. Um, they do have uh, you know some of the stats that you just cannot find anywhere else. I think once that the sacks allowed, I am mm-hmm. very surprised in 2022. Because I've been – you know, I, I used to have a good connection with the Chiefs PR staff before they completely changed their um, uh, their staff. Uh, I think it was during the middle of the Scott Pioli era. I'm not exactly sure, um, but uh, I, I was just get, I was I was really annoying the hell out of one of the PR guys. I'm like, look, how is sacks allowed? Not a, not a stat on NFL.com or ESPN.com, and this was back in like 2008. Okay, we're in 2022 now. And mm-hmm. these stats, some of these stats, that stats specifically. Let me say this: the old, you know, I don't know what it's called. Stats hosted, I think, is what it's called. They mm-hmm. do have, they do have the sacks allowed stats, but when you compare it to Pro Football Focus's stats, mm-hmm. they're not the same. So, yeah, Brandon Albert may have allowed six and a half sacks, but Pro Football Focus might have eight and a half sacks allowed. Now, mm-hmm. I remember seeing something similar like that once before, so. It's not the same. Uh, so I'm very surprised even in 2022, we don't have stats like that public. It's got to be through Pro Football Focus or somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I have seen some discrepancy in some of those uh, things. And I would trust PFF more than uh, like Pro Football Reference on those type of stats. But uh, I mean, Pro Football Reference might have some advantages and, and some things where they are in the right but i'm not i'm not i'm less sure about what pro football reference does compared to pff i know pff's process at least a little bit from a semi-close perspective i have i have zero idea what pro football reference does for their stats and like their in-depth stats
0: yeah i mean there are a lot of these weird stats i think there's one Called football outsiders, where they have a bunch of stats mm-hmm. that you don't find DVOA. anywhere. DVOA,
1: so. I love DVOA.
0: Yeah, DVOA is a very mm-hmm. popular one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that stand for, by the way? I don't even know um, what that stands for defensive. Uh, let's see, defensive value or
1: defense? Oh goodness, defense adjusted value over average. I believe it stands
0: for. So here's the thing: they don't. I mean, sure, you can look up stats online and see, say, see, uh, excuse me, that you can see the Chiefs are ranked you know, 10th in total defense and 15th mm. against the run or yep. number five uh, against the pass, but they, they're those number are usually 22 by, in points yeah. per game.
1: Those are always by points or, or yards, typically, like the total defense or total offense or yeah. whatever. Those type of
0: stats, those are almost exclusively by yards and, and points. Yeah. yeah. So, so this one, they crunch all of that together, but there's also more mm. behind that. Can you explain that? Because mm. I don't know all of that to the fullest extent. Oh. I've looked into it a little bit. I'm going to
1: try to look into it again, but I know it's um, about uh, per play, um, like per play efficiency and also about the situation. So um, it'll be different. The, the, the number or like the, the calculation, I suppose, will be different on a first down compared to a third down or fourth down for like third and fourth downs, if you're wanting to have a positive result on the offense, you need to convert or on the defense, you need to stop it. Whereas first down, it's a little bit more hairy. It's more about uh, what increases your odds of converting the first down or can, or scoring on that drive, whatever, that type of stuff. So, and it's, and it's adjusted by your opponent as well. It's opponent adjusted. So if you play a tougher team, it's going to be a little bit easier on you. If you're, If you're doing very well against poor teams, it won't be as big of a boost, I suppose.
0: See, this is interesting. When did Pro Football Focus first come out? Do you you know that by any chance? 2006. Okay, see, because here's what I was going to say. Like 10, 15 years ago, a lot of these websites didn't exist. And if they did exist, nobody knew what the hell they were. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like it took Pro Football Focus a few years to to gain some notoriety. Absolutely. Uh, Football Outsiders, DVOA, Pro Football Reference, all these websites out there. Took them a while. Uh, And and I think they're all great. They all have, you know, some unique features that maybe another Mm -hmm. website wouldn't. So I think it's very interesting now, especially with the Internet. And I think, you know, a website like Pro Football Focus getting up and running in 06 could not have started at a better time considering the rise of social media and how that all has turned out to be. Because I think that has really worked to pro football focuses advantage for sure.
1: Oh, yeah, it's it's football becoming more complex. Um, The football fan becoming more intelligent at a pretty much perfect time. So, yeah, I mean, you get the more complex stats, you get the more complex uh, systems and metrics and all. And, yeah, it's it's perfectly timed for the more intelligent, more
0: complex football fan. I did want to ask you uh, if you saw this um, over the weekend. Uh, obviously, the news about Dwayne Haskins just a tragic situation there. But did you, uh, by chance, like look into the media coverage for that? Because there were some uh, some disappointing oh. comments made. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, two
1: two in particular that I that I'm yeah. sure will be brought up that uh, I was very sour about initially.
0: Yeah. So the Adam Schefter one. I know a lot of people are talking about that because in his tweet. He mentioned that he struggled. Which look, mm-hmm. uh, let me say this about that comment real quick. Was he wrong? No, but no. here's the thing: he, he was wrong about the timing of that. He, he, here's here's something important. When Marty Schottenheimer passed away, the New York Post wrote a headline, and in the headline, it talks about his playoff struggles. It's like, look, he just passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a time and place to talk about everything. If we're gonna talk about the life of Marty Schottenheimer and the coaching career he had, you have to be honest and talk about those playoff struggles. That's not up for debate. If we're going to talk about the life of Kobe Bryant, you have to talk about the rape allegations. That was a huge story, and it impacted his playing career. I remember in one of the games, he showed up late for a game. I think he arrived at halftime because you know he had to attend court and then in the same day got onto the basketball court. And I think in one of those games where he showed up late, end up making a game winner from half court, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. So yeah. that, that's a story you have to tell um, mm-hmm. to the fullest extent. There's also this thing called a time and place for everything. And I think Schefter just completely botched that. Um, and, and I really like, listen, I like Schefter. I know a lot of people have been critical of him lately with the Brady retirement story and so many other things. So I really hope he's learned from that. The one that really pissed me off, was the Gil Brandt one because I'm a huge fan of Sirius XM. And I listen, I'm not the I don't like when Gil Brandt's on the radio, I'm not like pulling up my Sirius XM app to hurry up and and listen. Mm -hmm. I'm not too crazy about him on the radio. I know he's what, 90 years old on the on the air. No, but Mm -hmm. the comment he made, he was living to be dead. It's like, first of all, what the hell does that even mean? Like, was he getting out of his car and wanted to get hit by another car? Like, I don't get that. And second of all, and I'm going to go on uh, with this one here because this upset me a lot. Mm -hmm. He talked about how after making the living to be dead comment, he goes, we invited Dwayne Haskins to our draft party and he declined and he wanted to have his Mm -hmm. own party. Like, who Mm -hmm. gives a fuck? Like, like, since when were you? This godsend of draft parties, like, you're not some, this is what people in high school and middle school complain about. Oh, Susie did not attend my birthday party, but she attended Jackie's (laughs) party. Like, who gives a shit? Like, he didn't attend your party. So fucking what? Like, the guy just died at the age of 24. I've got a brother who's a year older than that. Like, you, you just think about that age and... You know what you? I mean, you don't expect to lose your life at that age. Like, if you really have a complaint about something petty like that, keep it to your goddamn self, man. Um, if you want to talk about his struggles, fine. But there's a place, a time, and place for that. Um, to talk about someone not attending your party after they died, like what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. Like, I- hey, by the way, let me say one other thing. It's the year twenty twenty two. We've seen so many people either lose their jobs or get bashed for what they say on social media or on the air, whatever they do. It's like, what made him think that in 2022, this comment was going to just be on the air and no one was going to say anything about it? Yeah,
1: I I think that Gilbrant clearly showed that he's uh, completely out of touch with what he was saying. First on Schefter, though, um, I have definitely I've definitely soured on Schefter um on multiple occasions in the last in the last year or two. Um I think that a lot of what he's brought um in recent months and I suppose the last year has been completely classless, completely uncalled for, terrible. Um and it's not just this and it's it's not even really brady. Brady the whole brady thing that's not even on my radar. There's 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 just several times where he's clearly taking different things from agents or and and putting it in his tweets, whatever. Um, The one that sticks out way more than Brady would be Deshaun Watson. His coverage on the Deshaun Watson situation was very poor, very ugly, very disgusting. Um, So with Deshaun Watson and Dwayne Haskins uh, and even more, Schefter's really dropped the ball and he's really been – he, he uh, to me he's shown that he's just a terrible human being personally it, it's a little harsh but like it's it's good people don't say some of this type of stuff that he's been saying or doing this type of stuff that he's been doing uh, putting out there so like yeah. Schefter that he really needs to turn it around or ESPN needs to find someone new um for Gil Brandt I think he's just out of touch I don't think that I don't think that he's, he's really in it anymore. He's, he's in the, in the know, I suppose. Um, He isn't, he is older and he's maybe not followed um, and let maybe the world pass him by in some certain ways. Um, So, yeah, I, I think Gil's Gilbrant's comments were worse than Adam Schefter's. Obviously it seems you agree. Um, And what he was saying about the draft. Uh, he was going to host a, a draft party at a bowling alley or something like that. And then yeah. have people keep- have like his friends pay a little bit of money to, to join in stuff like that. Genuinely who cares? Let him do his thing. It's his, it's his draft.
0: There are a lot of um, people who have their own draft parties. Like, why is that
1: all of a sudden an issue? It's, it's so bad. And then, yeah. yeah, the, the, if he just, the other thing that you didn't mention was the, if he stayed in college a little bit longer, oh, maybe gosh. he'd be doing something besides walking on the side of the freeway. Yeah. What, that's... what is that? That's just a, that's, that's nonsensical. It's completely nonsensical. And like you said, with him being 24, I mean, I'm 22, 15 days away from being 23 um so it 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 does hit harder when it's a it's a person closer to your age when you're younger especially so it's like you do some perspective in those type of scenarios and uh just wishing the best for all the people around him because it was such a sad morning when i saw that news it was very depressing and the first thing i saw was the Schefter tweet and because he was the one who really broke it um yeah and i sent it to my, my my sports group chat on Snapchat um, about how horrible the situation was. And then I read it a second time and I'm like, wait, Schefter, did you really have to mention that?
0: Yeah. It's disgusting. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, do you ever listen to the Pat McAfee show or just listen to the, some of the clips that he posts I def-
1: online? I definitely come across clips. I, I I think it's good stuff.
0: He has, yeah, he, he's got a fantastic uh, show there and he's come a long way with it. Um, he had... Um, Rappaport on and Rappaport is a uh, frequent guest on um, Mm -hmm. on the on the McAfee show. And they did bring up that situation specifically with Schefter, because he and Schefter are very similar in what they do. Mm -hmm. And and Rappaport said something interesting about how. You know, sometimes with news like this, even though his job is to break news, you don't have to break it. And in fact, sometimes you don't even want to do it. And you just simply don't do it. You wait for someone else to do it. And you can just quote tweet it or whatever you want to do. You know, mm. when the Jovan Belcher thing happened in 2012, Oof. I um I said something I, I shouldn't have said because I was 21 years old at the time. And not that this is an, an excuse, mm. Um, but I saw I was writing for Bleacher Report at the time and I was looking around. and I said, oh, no one's no one's saying anything, man. I got to I got to write something fast and hurry up so I can get views, which is obviously a horrible thing to think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know so I've I mentioned the story before, and people are saying, "No, you were 21." Yeah, that's no excuse though. Um, in that article, uh, because I was rushing through it so fast um, and getting ready for a Ku game, Ku was playing West Virginia that day. I still remember. Uh, I made a comment saying uh, that the Carolina Panthers had reportedly boarded their flight. And the hardest part is that the game is happening tomorrow, my, which is a stupid mm. comment to make. Like the hardest yeah. part is not that there's a game tomorrow. It's the what two I'm, people are dead. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But mm. my, my what I meant to say is, hey, there's a game tomorrow and there are people talking about possibly postponing or canceling mm-hmm. the game. And I should have been more clear about that, and I wasn't. It's like people. not only are people – everyone is so quick to be first, which don't get me wrong. Mm. Um, time sensitivity is a thing especially in mm-hmm. social media, you yep. can't be like 30 minutes behind on these kinds of things. You just can't unless it's something very sensitive, like a death. Mm-hmm. It helps to be an hour late just to make sure you confirm everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause look at Kobe Bryant. When the helicopter accident whoa. happened, Rick TMZ. Fox's Rick Fox's name was in there and it's mm-hmm. like, Whoa, wait yeah. a minute. When um, he was talking
1: about having like, yeah, dozens of people calling him in, in like minutes Yes. Yeah, about oh, oh, asking if he was okay. The, well, the first person he he answered, sent, like, crying when they heard him. He's yeah. like, yeah, that was... And then also the, the ABC reporter who, who said on live TV, I was watching it, and I was horrified when the ABC reporter on live TV said that it was believed that all of the kids were on the plane, or on the Oof. helicopter. It was like, there's no way. And it was only one, but, like man how can you get that wrong and thankfully they got huge backlash for that one they deserved that you can't just say something like all the kids might have been on the helicopter i'm hearing all the kids are on the helicopter no
0: you cannot you know i I think what happens in that kind of situation and i've been in a couple of tv newsrooms i don't know how much experience you have with tv but (laughs) i think what happened was a producer in the control room was looking on Twitter and saw maybe a tweet from someone who's verified and goes, Oh, okay. It's, it's a verified account. Yeah. Let, let's run with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe the reporter his or herself found something on Twitter themselves and said it, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I think it's like people just see something and they don't even know if it's confirmed or not. And they run with it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And again, like I know there's a little different from the whole Schefter comment and the Gilbran comment. Cause yeah. th- with them, accuracy was not the issue. It was the time. Tone. Yeah, like the comment you made at a certain time. But I think with death, and we saw it with Kobe Bryant, we've seen it a few uh, other times. It's like, you got to be very careful. If You you got to make sure you have multiple confirmations. And again, I still remember um, when the Jovan Belcher incident happened. Um, who's the guy from ESPN? Uh, Adam? Um, Teicher. Kaiser, thank you. He was with the Kansas City Star at the time, I believe. Mm -hmm. He didn't tweet a single thing that day, which, you know, um, maybe you can agree with that. Maybe you can disagree with that. But I think maybe it was his first time dealing with because sports reporters ever deal with this kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's new territory for sports journalists to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, it's okay to be late on these kinds of stories. Uh, Maybe. If it's your first time covering such a story like this, maybe it's best to not even tweet anything. I don't know. I don't listen. There's no manual for how to cover this kind of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, circling back to those comments, uh, I mean, you just can't make them in 2020. Like Schefter, uh, Gil Brandt Okay, he's out of touch. I agree yep. with you on that. She- I think I think Schefter could have gotten away with it if it wasn't the death announcement
1: tweet. If he said it at a later hour or day, he could have maybe gotten away with it, but he was the first big name to say that Dwayne Haskins had died and mentioned his NFL struggles in the same tweet. He was not getting away with that one. Gil Brandt would have been bad at any time. Like He could have said that days later and it wouldn't have been accepted at all. But Schefter, that one was more about timing.
0: I I think the other thing I I want to add about Schefter, I don't disagree with anything you said, but it's just maybe I think we expect it more from Schefter. Cause this guy's always on Twitter tweeting shit. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I know we've gone all- along on that subject, but uh, b- yeah. be better is the whole point of this. Absolutely. This absolutely. Definitely be better. Um, you're a big UFC fan, aren't you? I absolutely am. Uh, what you think of, uh, good old 273? there. A lot of, a lot of great fights, but a little bit of controversy as well. in that co-main event. Uh, certainly. I think, um, I was,
1: I think I said on my timeline as well that I thought Petter Jan won that fight. Um, I thought yeah. he took the first round, and um, I agree. And and yeah, uh, two of the three judges gave it to Sterling. It was a, uh, it was a bit of a surprise, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I like that. But I, I actually did see the stats leaned Sterling, so that's that's good for their argument, I suppose. But when just watching the fight live, I was like, I think Petter Jan took that first round.
0: Yeah, you know, Jan, here's the thing. I said this last week when I had um, Eddie Law and uh, Josh Evanoff, both huge MMA guys uh, on the podcast last week. I said, look, I'm a huge Alderman Sterling fan. So I was really pulling for him the first time when he just got completely dominated outside of that first round. <laughs> but bad. if 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 Sterling was going to win this fight, I said – He needs a completely different game plan or a completely different approach. Maybe he can keep the same game plan, but at least freaking execute it. I don't know what the game plan was the first time, but whatever he had the second time, man, we saw it come to fruition. He got Mm -hmm. Yon on the ground twice. And in the second and the third rounds, man, Yon looked frustrated. Did you notice? Mm -hmm. I think it was the third round where Yon had, or not Yon, Sterling basically had Yon in that uh, lock on the ground. Mm -hmm. Jan was actually no. looking up at the referee, waiting for the referee to stand him. But the referee's like, nope. Just stand him up. No, nope. You gotta nope. go. Keep going. He, he's he got you in a good position, a dominant position. You gotta work on your own for this one. So Jan was definitely frustrated. And you see this a lot with fighters who are anti-wrestlers like Michael Bisping. They'll kind of look at the yeah. ref and be like, really? Like, we're, we're gonna stay here all day? M- McGregor in the fight against Mendez. Yeah. Oh, God. McGregor. I mean, McGregor. I mean, listen, let me just say this. I know this is not 273 related, but yeah. If you're if you're a fighter, don't you just want to fight Connor at this point? <laughs> even if you have even if you have the slightest skill of ground game, that is an advantage against Kamaru Usman. I cannot believe that Connor keeps
1: keeps calling out Kamaru Usman. Usman would absolutely destroy him. I have no idea why Usman is the guy Connor keeps calling out. It is not a good choice.
0: Yeah, that's That's suicide right there. That
1: might be the worst fight Conor can get.
0: Uh, Yeah. Who was it? I think it was Gilbert Burns who Mm -hmm. uh, Usman knocked out and then – uh mcgregor was on twitter saying that he copied his one-two punch like really you're gonna claim (laughs) copyright to a one-two punch to a one-two yeah what the hell is going on here
1: um (laughs) he's he's a showman he's got to get the he's got to get the his name out there oh
0: yeah he he does a great job of it yeah rightfully so um You know what? What would be interesting? It, it, the fight would be terrible because Colby Covington is a fantastic wrestler. But I want to see Colby Covington versus Conor McGregor just for the press conferences. The buildup would be unbelievable for that fight. Yes, it's like it's like that is the fight. Like here is the thing, and I, I don't know how much of it has to do with the pandemic because, mm. and I know the UFC is like they're like full on schedule. Like even their non pay per view shows they're going on the road for now. They mm. just started doing, but it's like. The um, the pandemic, we didn't see as many press conferences, uh, and obviously having that crowd react and all that stuff. Plus the uh, Covington and Masvidal press conference was horrible. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it just felt like watching two fifth graders fight each other. I mean, that was terrible, but yeah. – um, yeah, the UFC needs more of those pressers, kind of like what we saw with Sterling and Yon. Like, there was a little bit of entertainment there. You know, no one's talking about anyone else's mom or kids or wife or religion, religion. You know that stuff. Yeah, yeah, country. Uh, so that was actually enjoyable to see actual shit talking, like nothing personal there, just straight-up shit talk. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I hope the UFC does more of that. You know, we're, we're talking about the Walter Bay division a lot. That um, – Shamayev uh, and Burns. Yeah, Shamayev and Burns. Mm-hmm. That was very interesting. I know it was a lot of good. people. It was a it was a great fight. Um, mm-hmm. Did you see Kato White's press conference when he announced the fight of the night? I actually didn't. He goes, "If I need to tell you who the fight of the night is, you don't need to be here." Mm-hmm. Like so, yeah. so, I'm like, okay. I think that tells you who the fight of the night was. Yeah. But um, you know, a lot of people were critical of Shamayev, say because I think he took what four significant strikes in his career before that fight, mm-hmm. and I guess he took a lot. It's like listen. That was his biggest test to date. By far. Um, I, I don't I, – listen, I know he's going to – he's already been calling out Usman, which, well, look, mm. why wouldn't you after a fight yeah. like that? You um, beat the number two contender. Yeah, yeah he beat the number two contender. It's like, yeah, you're, you're going to struggle against the number two guy. And plus, not every fight is going to be the same fight either, too. So I think that's what fans are forgetting. It's like, look, that was his biggest test to date. And if he could do an immediate rematch, which I know there's been a little bit of of talk about that, which I don't have any interest in seeing. Um, Mm -hmm. But if there was an immediate rematch, I'm sure Hamza Shemaya will definitely do some things differently to look better in that fight. Um, He came away with a win. Like, that's the most important thing. I know he's never been in the third round before in his career. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely interesting to see. I was curious if he would gas out or not, because you tend to see that with fighters like. I remember Francis Ngannou, when he fought Stipe the first time, that went oh, all five man. rounds. I that mean, that dude ugly. was gassed out. Yeah, that was a brutal Ugh. fight for him. McGregor, we've seen him when the fight goes into championship rounds. I mean, he's just not the same fighter. So, yeah, it, it was interesting to see Shemayev in that situation. Uh, what, 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 what were your thoughts on that? I think Shemayev was better
1: than than people are going about. I, I saw a lot of people saying that just because of – chemia not dominating burns that's the reason why he now has no shot against usman i think that's completely silly i think i i wouldn't have i i don't think his odds against usman improved or went down before or after the fight i I think it stayed the same for the likelihood of him being able to beat usman um he beat burns fair and square He, he won that fight and uh, he did well, and there should definitely not be a rematch. There's no way there should be a rematch. No, no. Shemaev should get Covington. I think Shemaev versus Covington needs to happen. Um, they could maybe if they want to go Usman and Connor, that's their justification. They could give Shemaev Colby.
0: Listen, then... Connor is Connor is one loss and one arrest away from a title match. That's he what <laughs> Connor's going through. He really
1: doesn't deserve it, but they might do it. Shemaev versus Colby, I do think is the fight to make, though. I think it would be fantastic. Um, and then winner facing uh, Usman would be incredible.
0: U- Usman is he number one pound for pound? I think he is. They just came out with the list today. Alderman Sterling was put on the list, and it, on Facebook, Everyone's just like responding with the uh, laughing emoji. Um, <laughs> let me. I'm glad you asked that because I honestly all I did was pay attention to the um, reactions about uh, Sterling. Yeah. yeah, Usman is still number one. Yeah, he's number yeah. one on the uh, pound for pound. Well, well
1: deserved. It's going to take a an incredible effort for him to uh, to be
0: dethroned. He's an unbelievable yeah. fighter. Yeah, and it's like, listen, I Colby has challenged him twice, and mm-hmm. listen, if it's not for that knockdown in the fifth round or the first fight, Usman Maybe might lose. Colby wins? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it, it, it was Colby a close does. fight. It was close. Yeah. It was close. Um, but but my point is, Colby Covington, who in my opinion is the best wrestler and might be the best non-champion in the UFC. He gave it his best twice against Usman and Mm. still could not beat him. That's how great Usman is. And I know a lot of people were trying to dodge him when he was on his way up in the division. Now it's like you can't dodge him if you want the belt. Mm. So the the, the Walter Wade division, in my opinion, is the most interesting. By the way, going back to Colby Covington, here's who I want to see him fight. There are two guys I really, really, really want to see him fight. One is either Habib which is not going to happen. That's 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 yeah, that's not happening. that would be an amazing wrestling match. And Mm -hmm. by the way, Colby can cut the weight because Colby Mm -hmm. brags a lot about not cutting weight. I don't know. I mean, he probably does 10 pounds at the most and he probably just does it like in a in a very like no stress pace, two week little deal. Uh, I don't know Mm -hmm. what he does, Um, but it's not a very stressful weight cut is what I'm trying to say. Uh, mm-hmm. and then with uh, the habib thing's not going to happen but i'll tell you who who he should fight is islam Mahashev. yes i think if, i think yes. if they yes. if they did like a catchweight even that would be a really fun fight because that would be unbelievable islam is a fucking beast dude that he's guy's is so insane
1: good. he's so good i think he needs to fight uh, islam just needs to fight the Olivera gagey winner though which oh, oh does that that lightweight Yeah, that's that's coming next month. Oh, that's going to be a damn good card. I've already told my boys we're watching that thing next month. Oliveira and Gaethje is going to be unbelievable. Gaethje is my guy. He is my number one favorite fighter, and and it makes sense. He's he's the ultimate
0: badass. I attended a a PFL event back when it was called WSOF, Um, Mm -hmm. and and I knew nothing about this. I just saw they're coming to Kansas City, and I said, sure, why not? And I did some research. Gaethje was supposed to fight. I have the poster. Oh. You can't see it, but it's like right here. Right here is where mm-hmm. the gym is to my uh, in, in my basement. But yeah. I have the poster for it. He was supposed to fight a Russian fighter. Um, Ozzy Dugalabov, I believe is how you say his name. Mm. But I guess hours before the event, Dugalabov had to be hospitalized. So he got rushed to a hospital that day. Um, Gaethje was super cool, though. It's, it's crazy. I, I remember doing research on him. And he only had like 5,000 followers on Twitter at the time. But everyone wanted to take pictures with him, and everyone, he, he was so cool to the fans because so it was just him and his girlfriend just hanging out in the crowd that night. Um, but, yeah, I almost got to see Gaethje fight in person, which would have been cool to see before his UFC run. Uh, Gaethje is such an interesting guy. Like, you want to talk about a maniac, a guy who has said on the record that he would rather get knocked out than win by decision. Like that's mm-hmm. the kind of that there is no one <laughs> you do not want to miss. The only Dustin one, fight. the
1: only one who would say that. Yeah, the only guy who would ever say
0: that. By the way, the the
1: the the, the only other guy you could think of maybe saying that is like Diego Sanchez, and that's lo- that's ways away now. Yeah, no, I, I think also I just found the fight that Usman's going to definitely take. I for- I forgot about Leon Edwards.
0: It's going to be Leon Edwards versus Usman. Oh yeah, I forgot about Leon. Then Edwards.
1: Covington and Chimaev. Oh, that sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. But the the um the upcoming card two seventy four. I'm a huge fan Mm. of Rose Namajunas. I said Mm. for the longest time that she is going to be the one to dethrone Joanna. You know what's so crazy? Mm. She's never had a knockout in her life. And the two times she did get a knockout, she was Mm. challenging for the title against Joanna, and then against um, uh, Wei Lee, which is crazy. Mm. Like the two times she came away with the belt. What a fight that!
1: Against Wei Li. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So good. Car- Ro- She's fighting Carla Esparza. I can't believe that Carla Esparza is back in the title picture.
0: Well, here's the crazy part is Uh-oh. Rose has lost to Carla before. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this is going to be one of those fights where Rose is. That was for to the title. Defend- Yeah, that was, I believe that was for the inaugural,
1: um, yeah, it was for the first, it was the initial title at strawweight and then title defense. She got destroyed by Ioana. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that was, uh, from the ultimate fighter too. So it's kind of interesting to see those two cross paths again at this time. So I'm, I'm very excited for Rose. I think, you know, what's weird is like, she's not like, she's a very, very small girl. Like she's Mm -hmm. not well built. She's not this muscular chick like, Mm -hmm. uh, Wei Lee or, um, Tisha Torres or any of those fighters like she mm. is really small, but she has, she's I think tough. she has like the most, yeah, she's really tough. She's got the most finishes in strawweight weight history. Um, so this is a very interesting fighter. So that's, what's drawn me to Rose is her ability to finish. I remember my dad and I were huge fans of Rose. Mm-hmm. When we went to the Kansas city event where she yeah. fought the karate hottie and karate hottie was coming off Let's the go. win against Paige van Zant. Mm-hmm. So a lot of hype behind her, when Rose head kicked her and mm-hmm. ran up to her to get that choked, my dad and I were the only ones in that section who got up and started cheering because everyone was pulling for Michelle Watterson in that one. Mm-hmm. So Rose has had a very interesting career up to this point. Uh, I'm glad
1: we went to the same card. I've gone to two UFC events uh, oh. so far. That I went to that one in Kansas City. Um, it was incredible to watch. Um, yeah, the head kick from Rose on Watterson. I I... Jumped up and screamed so loud at that—that that was unbelievable. And then, um, of course, uh, Jacare losing to Robert Whitaker.
0: I did not see that coming.
1: Robert Whitaker beating Jacare—I was shocked. I yeah. could not believe that. I mean, and today, then, of course, Mighty Mouse. The, Mighty Mouse's performance against Wilson Hayes—unbelievable, yeah. dominant. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's such a it, it, man. I'm bummed out that Mighty Mouse is not in the UFC. I get he's happy where he is, and I'm I'm happy for him. Yeah. But it's like, man, it, it, and look. I don't know what the UFC could have done with him. They, tried they to took him the for ultimate... granted. They, they took him for granted. They put him on free TV to defend his title multiple times. And I guess the ratings... Listen, it's not a Mighty Mouse thing. The The UFC ratings on Fox were declining every time, which was weird. I don't know why. Um, but you know what, man? The UFC has a promotional issue. And I, I don't know where to... Because with Amanda Nunes, who destroyed Ronda Rousey and Chris Cyborg in 99 seconds combined, but you can't make a superstar out of her, which is weird. Yeah. Um, you know, here's why here. I'll tell you why, you know, people like mighty mouse and Amanda Nunes as great as they are, they don't talk about their fighters, moms, or their, their religion or kids, all these things, Colby Covington and Vidal man. And I don't know what numbers that did, but I heard it was off the, off the chains basically it's like unless you're talking shit like aggressively and pissing off your opponent, you can't be a superstar. And I hate that. There's yeah. got to be a way around that kind of the thing.
1: only other way you can be a superstar if you are so ridiculously dominant. And Nunes is one of those dominant fighters, and she got attention for that. But like, yeah, it, I think uh the other one would be like Francis Ngannou. If you can be a Francis Ngannou type of dominant yeah. and just destro- destroying people, that's how you can get uh super popular, but even he's not that popular. So it's like it- it's tough for those guys who are just so yeah. unbelievably good and dominant, but uh yeah, they don't have that type of superstar um, attention outside of the hardcore UFC fans.
0: I think the only non-trash talker who got that kind of coverage was Anderson Silva, which is crazy because for most of his career, he did not speak English fluently. Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, if you're not Anderson Silva and you don't talk shit, you yeah. Good luck.
1: And and it wasn't. And uh, he made up for it, not by talking shit, but he, he showed it in the octagon. Yeah. Yeah. By, by being flary and by, uh, uh, his fight against Forrest Griffin, where he's he's ducking all his punches like it's the Matrix and then knocking yeah. him out in a ridiculous fashion. It's uh, it. You got to make up for it if you're not talking by by showing in the octagon. Very flashy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man, we definitely got to do this podcast again. Talk yeah. some UFC. Yeah. Uh, I know you're Absolutely. a huge fan. I, listen, I love finding people who talk about You know what I've always heard? Even the people who cover the sport um because it's still a sport that's growing in a way as big as it is now it's still there's still some growth to be made a lot Mm -hmm. of the people who get asked about it, who cover the sport they're like so what do your friends think of sport they're like my friends don't even watch it it's like you don't find a lot of people who watch sport these days as popular as it may be or at least as closely as you and i do so
1: yeah i Uh, i got a few who follow it um casually i follow it I, i i i I don't follow it as hardcore as I'd like to. I mainly only watch the pay-per-views, but I'll watch some free stuff. And then like, I'll, I'll get very hyped up for pay-per-views. But yeah, I also have some friends who are like, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not going to watch or follow.
0: Yeah. When I first got into it, like in 2016, um, I ordered UFC 196, which is like the most insane pay-per-view to like Ooh. be your first one. <laughs> yes. Um, like I was hooked right away and that I was watching like every single card from the prelims all the way just to kind of get familiar mm-hmm. with the sport then yeah i mean you get to a point point. and listen it's like those those events are so damn long you have a life too on weekends yeah. so it's like you don't get to you you gotta get, you gotta pick and choose so i'm with yeah. you yeah the free stuff i'll watch if it's a fighter that really really intrigues me so mm-hmm. yeah but i definitely follow up on them even if i don't yeah. watch uh any of those
1: the the first pay-per-view i watched was actually um uh, anderson silva versus nick diaz Oh man, his re- his return from the leg break. I was so beyond hyped for that. Uh, it, it was something to watch. And then also, I just uh, I guess the last thing maybe is I just looked at the two seventy four card again, and there are three fights in particular that I think hardcore fans are going to be losing their minds over, a- along with the title fights. Michael Chandler against Tony Ferguson.
0: That's huge.
1: Shogun Hua against uh, Ovince saint Prue. Preux—that could be good. Um, and then, I mean, I don't think the quality of this might be as good as we'd like. But Cowboy Cerrone against Joe Lozon—that that's going to get every old—that's going to get old school fans into it. It yeah, just I, has to. I Those just... guys have been around for so long. Joe yeah. Lozon was actually the first MMA fighter I ever heard of because uh, he did videos with a YouTuber I followed.
0: I well, well, like... who's the YouTuber?
1: Uh, Woody's Gamer Tag. It was okay. like a, a video game guy. It was like a late 2000s.
0: See, I was uh, it took a while before I got into MMA, but I knew who Brian Ortega was because I always mm-hmm. watched Henner Gracie's videos. And actually, mm-hmm. funny story, the reason I knew about Henner Gracie, there was a video in 2007. I was looking up Tom Bahali highlights and nice. I came across a video of Tom Bahali training with Henner. I'm like, who is this? Like, what's jujitsu? Jitsu? <laughs> and I didn't know shit. And yeah. so I just watched it and I, I was like, they took the video down because there was a lot of copyright music. Um, yeah. but they ended up doing another video with Tom Bahali, which is awesome. If, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just uh, search Tom Jiu Jitsu. If you've never seen it, it's actually Let's a see. really, really cool video. You've seen it. I, I assume. I
1: have not. I don't think oh, well, okay. I need to find this. I need to find yeah. this though. Him, him treat. training with the Gracie's. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's actually a really cool video. Uh, this is back when he was with the chiefs in 2013 too. So mm-hmm. it was uh, in the prime of his career, but yeah, um, you know what's interesting is uh, with Cerrone, man. He's such a histo- I mean, he's a legend. He re- is. I know Joe Lozon's even
1: more historical. Like, it's, like I like Joe Lozon has been around for so long.
0: He's been irrelevant for so long too, but he's still here. Let he's me just look here. up. See, he's coming off a win, whereas with Cerrone, man, mm. it, like they even tried to use Cerrone to give him some. I don't want to say they needed to hype him up, but they kind of wanted him to stay relevant um, yeah. with that McGregor one. He's just lost so much lately. Oh my Remember goodness. when he got knocked out twice by Masvidal oh, man. at the end of the first round. And then again, oh. in the second round, <sighs> yeah that's where the that's where things go oh, downhill for him unfortunately
1: oh it's been so sad like uh wasn't it gaichi as well when gaichi had him finished and he was upset with the ref
0: oh yeah that, i do remember that yeah 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 that
1: that was upsetting as well and yeah looking at joe lozon again his last fight was three almost three years ago two and a half years ago he fought on the card where dominic reyes like flying need chris weidman or something like that oh my goodness oh, I and do- then, yeah, he, He he lost his third most recent fight was a loss four and a half years ago to Clay Guida.
0: (laughs) Wow, I did not know that. That's unbelievable.
1: Uh, Uh, Well, hey,
0: before we we get out of here, I did want to bring up this topic. We talked last Mm. week about a radio host who got fired, who made a really harmless joke about Kamala Harris uh, Mm. because she wore a brown suit. And the radio host uh, or ex-radio host, I should say, she wrote a comment saying, what can Brown do for you? Apparently nothing or something. I'm paraphrasing. It was, it was a joke. Like, it, it's funny. Yeah. Like, people need to lighten up. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel has been going at it with Marjorie Taylor Green, which if you follow politics, you know who MTG is. She's not the brightest person in the uh, world. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, but she attacked three Republicans, in fact, called them pro-pedophile for backing the um, the nomination of Judge Kenti Brown Jackson, I hope I said the first name uh, Katan Katanji, I believe. Oh, Katanja, Katanja, Katanji yeah, yeah. Brown Jackson. Jimmy Kimmel made a joke saying, "Where's Will Smith when you need him?" Mm. MTG got offended. If you don't know what the Will Smith reference is, then please turn off my podcast. <laughs> um, MTG got offended and tagged Capitol Police. On Twitter, oh gosh. which is very ironic considering her stance on January sixth, hey, Fox yeah. News, Fox News actually posted about this story, and all of Fox News's followers think it's funny. Like it's a joke. Like it's actually funnier because she's tagging Capitol Police. Like honestly, Will Jimmy Kimmel's joke about Will Smith wasn't really that funny. MTG yes. tagging Capitol Police that is hilarious. That is hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. by the way, she uh uh here's a tweet. At ABC, this threat of violence against me by at Jimmy Kimmel has been filed with the Capitol Police. To <laughs> uh, so which Jimmy Kimmel That's, responded, officer, uh... I'd like to report a joke. By the way, um, uh, MTG went on Matt Gaetz's podcast, and oh, Matt Gates. Yeah. Which is, by the way, like the best person to go to for support. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're talking about people who are pro pedophile. Uh... Uh,
0: Matt, Matt Gates goes, oh, I see what Jimmy Kimmel's doing. He's a jerk. He's going after women. It's like, OK, all right. That's it's a little interesting. But it's like, hey, listen, let's say like, we need to lighten up a little bit. If you're a politician in the year twenty twenty two, you need to understand that jokes are going to be made about you, whether you are Democrat or Republican. And by the way, I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, only Republicans get made fun of." Trevor Noah just posted a picture of Biden uh, greeting Obama because Obama recently visited him, and in the mm-hmm. caption he wrote, I, "I just realized I'm Brandon." It's like, you know, like <laughs> people like lighten up yeah. when the Democrats yeah. were doing their. Um, What's it called? The um, the uh, the debate to figure out who's going to be the nominee, the final nominee. It's like comedians were all over them. Mm -hmm. It's like, listen, right now, Democrats are full in power, which I know is not going so well. Uh, But it's like they're being being made fun of left and right everywhere. You just got to find the content for it. I don't know, man. People need to loosen up with political jokes, like especially those who are defending their preferred politician. Just stop. Mm -hmm please stop and just laugh it's a lot better trust me
1: john oliver i've been watching a ton of john oliver content recently because john oliver is my favorite i think john oliver is incredible at pretty much everything he does uh and yeah i mean he'll throw jokes at democrats just fine i mean people do need to let people in their party also take jokes i understand why republicans think that it's biased against them because there is probably more like it it, numbers wise more liberal media or more i wouldn't even say left-wing because i mean liberal in this country isn't actually left-wing but uh there's more left-wing media in america yeah yeah so so I understand how they can think that that is uh biased against them, but it, it really isn't that biased against them. It's
0: it's, it's just corporate. It's just corporate nonsense. See, I'll make a joke about a Republican. People are like, Oh, you must be a, a liberal lefty. Uh, and then I'll make a joke about, uh, I'll make a joke about uh, Joe Biden. I made a joke mm-hmm. when uh, Biden was in Kansas city. I was in Mexico mm-hmm. for this. I said this mm-hmm. on the podcast last week. Um, and I did not know he was coming to Kansas city. And mm. I was in Mexico, I was on vacation. I had several drinks already. You yeah. didn't time. know he was
1: going to Kansas City either. Well, I
0: just made uh, that joke. Oh, oh, no. I, I said I, I, stole said, your um, I said uh I <laughs> said yeah you did. I said, uh, was he in Kansas City, Missouri, or Kansas City, Kansas, or did he not know where he was? And oh. people were like all up in arms, like calm, like and I even wrote you a post dang right winger. Uh, yeah, oh. I know exactly, right? Um, I wrote a follow-up post. I'm like, if you are offended by this, please unfollow me and then block me afterwards because yes, i don't want yes. you interacting with me if you're offended by this
1: get offline and uh oh the the, the funny the funny line that everyone likes now touch grass yeah uh, i know yeah but no yeah i mean i i'm i'm a pretty uh left-wing i'm a free person i'm a free thinker i'm, I'm, I'm a, a free pretty, thinker uh, yeah I, i'm a pretty left-wing person uh in recent times i used How to dare be- you are, are, per-
0: you're, you're scared of Kobe, aren't you? That's what I'm sure you've gotten oh, those comments.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, I used to be right wing. I grew up right wing, and I've become pretty left over the last uh, two, three years, I'd say. Um, but if if anyone made a joke about Bernie Sanders or AOC, I am not getting butthurt about that. Yeah, slightest. exactly. Like people do need to lighten up big time.
0: Yeah. See, it's 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 politics, man. Like if we're really like, first of all, if we're getting offended and then getting defensive for them. Oh, boy. um, Life is going to be real short for you. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hey, Sam Hayes, uh, Pro Football Focus and Sports Illustrated. Uh, How can people connect with you on uh, on social media and where can they check out some of your work? Well,
1: definitely um, my Twitter. That is where I am extremely, extremely, extremely active because I am uh, chronically online. Uh, Twitter.com slash Wichita Chief Sam. If you don't know how to spell Wichita because a lot of people online seem to not know how to spell Wichita somehow because they love spelling it uh, like the word witch uh, with a T in it. Oh, yeah. um, I've seen that so many times over the last 13 14 15 years i've been online um learn how to spell wichita and then type that in and then chief and then with no additional s just one s with the sam uh so that that's my twitter very active on there um you may not like my tons of likes and retweets that i do because i am active and i see a lot of tweets and i like a lot of tweets but so be it um just unfollow me then uh simple solution exactly and then uh I'm trying to get a little bit more active on Twitch now as well. Also, Wichita Chief Sam. I've done a, a little bit of Rocket League on there. Um, I, I did a little bit of Rocket League on the night of uh, KU winning the championship, and uh, I, ha- I had a little, I had a few twist tees in there, and that was, it. Was a, it was a fun time? Yeah. So, what are that, you? That was,
0: are you a PS4 guy or what?
1: Uh, I am a PC guy. I, okay. I play on Steam, but I do have a PS5 as well, and I use a PS5 controller for oh, my, you, uh, my my a PS5? Steam games. Yeah. Yeah, You know, we're let me say something. That regard.
0: I've always thought Twitch was like dumb because mm. you're just watching people play video games. It's like, I would rather just play video games than watch someone play video games. But I actually did download the app a month ago. And I said, you know what? Let me just look into this, see what it is. And it's actually kind of more intriguing than I thought. So I kind of had to um, resend some of my criticism. And listen, I'm yeah. not like on there religiously. I mean, I'll follow a couple of people, but I'll yeah. watch someone for like two minutes and I'm out. But yeah. So like me, I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. So you can just like search in there, Final Fantasy, and you can see some Final Fantasy live streamers. Absolutely. If you are interested in that, some people just like to see people's reactions uh, to certain things, which, hey, look, there's a market for that. So get on those people.
1: Yeah, entertainment's huge. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I will mainly play Rocket League on there if I if I keep streaming, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Um, I even said uh, on my Twitter a couple of days ago though that uh, I was looking into uh, chasing the storms that are around here um, in the Northeast side of the state or whatever, and uh, they, they just got too far away from me. So I decided to not go, but I was going to st- uh, stream that on either Twitch or YouTube, which uh, yeah, so you, you'll get those links uh, if I'm if I'm streaming on Twitch uh, on my Twitter but yeah,
0: you know, follow the Twitch as well which taught you Sam awesome man well hey uh, obviously we'll be in touch on social media we gotta do this again sometime so uh, we'll keep in touch absolutely. man thanks for coming on thanks for the time I've, absolutely thank you alright appreciate it guys if you guys enjoyed this episode of Forest Cast, share the links put the links out there on social media text your friends about the podcast let everyone know about the Forest Cast podcast appreciate all of you guys for taking the time to download and listen to this episode. Again, if you like the podcast, share the link, subscribe to the podcast. Until then, I will talk to you guys later. Take care.